I have a word from God for you today. Open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Anybody love the Bible? As you're turning there, I want to take a moment and I want to honor our lead pastors, Pastor Dustin and Pastor Jamie. They are the most incredible leaders. What are you guys doing out here? I'm just kidding. This is an illustration. You know, I, I can't preach without some sort of excessive illustration. And so we're going to get into the purpose of that in just a moment. But let's look at the scripture. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse one, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I've rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. Context, Saul has been king over Israel for a while and God is ready to anoint a new king. The anointing of oil was a common practice in the Old Testament. Uh, there were three types of people that were anointed, prophets, priests, and kings. And when someone was anointed with oil, it was God's way of saying, this is what you're called to do. But not only that, I'm going to empower you to do it. And so the text continues. It says, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I've provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Side note, I found that that advice actually will derail conflict in a lot of different scenarios. Your boss comes into your office yelling at you about your productivity, but you just got a full-size heifer with you. You just say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. It will change the topic of conversation guaranteed. Verse three, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. See my heifer, consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And verse six says, when they came, he looked on Eliab. We're gonna talk about Eliab a lot today. And Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely this is the choice. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or on his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as the man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And this progression continues where Jesse sends another son named Abinadab. And then Jesse sends another son named Shema. And one by one, Samuel looks and says, that's not the one. That's not the one. It's kind of funny because it says that he passes by them. This is honestly a glorified spiritual catwalk where Jesse is showing his sons and saying, look how amazing they are. But but God rejects every single one of these seven sons. And Samuel's scratching his head and he says this. He says to Jesse, are all of your sons here. And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down until he comes here. Maybe you know the scripture, you know that we are talking about David. This is my example of David right here. Unfortunately, he has no arms and he has no head, but use your imagination, okay? So we're talking about David, we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. 
He had that going for him. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. Would you take 30 seconds and pray with me? God, we thank you for the power that is in your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God, we thank you that there's nothing your word cannot accomplish. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that doesn't fall on wise and persuasive words, but that falls in a way that is, is, uh, is a demonstration of your spirit's power. So Lord, we ask you today, open up hearts. In fact, everyone pray this prayer out loud with me. Just say, Jesus speak to my heart, change my life in your name. Amen. We have been in this series called the ripple effect. Anybody enjoyed this series? And the general concept of the ripple effect is that your today does not just affect your today, but your your today directly affects what happens tomorrow. If I were to take a stone and throw it into the water, the moment it makes an impact on the water, it makes ripples in the natural. In the same way you can make ripples in the natural, your life is constantly leaving ripples. Whether those ripples are good or bad is up to us. How do you know anger will leave a ripple, but so will peace. Uh, uh, Hate will leave a ripple and so will love. Bitterness leaves a ripple, but so does Forgiveness, your thoughts, your actions, your decisions, your indecision, all of those things are stones thrown into the water that leave ripples. Can I encourage you for a moment? Every step you take towards Jesus leaves a ripple. Every prayer you pray, whether you feel it or not, leaves a ripple. Every scripture you declare, whether you feel it or not, leaves a ripple. Every word of life you speak, every time you lift your hands, every time you say amen, every time you kneel at an altar, are you with me today? Every time you take a step towards Jesus, it leaves It leaves ripples. You are a constant wrecking ball of ripples and your ripples will outlive you. Your ripples will go on way after you are dead and gone. Your ripples will live on in your kids. Your ripples will live on in your grandkids. Your ripples will live on in your culture. Your ripples will live on in your last name. So the question today is not, am I making ripples? The question today has to be, am I making the right ones? Which leads to another question. How do I make sure I'm making the right ripples? And here's the big idea of the entire message that connects us back to our text. Right ripples flow from right identity. Right ripples flow from right identity. If you don't know who you are, then you will constantly leave ripples that are infected with a version of you that God never intended you to be. If you don't know who you are, you will leave ripples of insecurity and ripples of fear and ripples of indecision. But right ripples will come from right identity. I wanna wanna read this to you. The impact you make is not just contingent upon what you believe about God. The impact that you make is contingent upon what you believe about you. It's contingent upon what you believe about you. And in this text, we see Samuel 
pouring oil on the head of David. And when Samuel poured oil on David, it was him releasing identity over David. It was him saying, David, I know you're in a field right now. I know you're nameless. I know you're unknown. I know you're unwanted. I know uh, that it seems like you've been overlooked, but I want to let you know, David, there's a king in you. There's, there's a king in you. And this is significant, not just for David. It's significant for you because the oil that was poured on David was not just for David. It's for you and I. Can I show you this in scripture? First John chapter two in verse 20 teaches us you have been anointed by the Holy one. Paul teaches us in second Corinthians that Christ himself has anointed you. So in the same way Samuel poured oil on David, Christ has poured oil on you. In the same way Samuel released identity over David, Christ releases identity over you. And when Christ pours oil over your life, it is him saying there's more in you than you think. I wanna tell every single person within the sound of my voice in this room, that there is a version of you that is dangerous to darkness. There's a version of you parents that can lay hands on your sick babies and see them healed. There is a version of you that is whole. There's a version of you that is happy. There's a version of you that walks in peace, that walks in life abundant. There's a version of you that is the righteousness of God in Christ. There's a version of you that is holy. There's a version, let me say it like this in the words of T.D. Jakes, there's a you that you have not met yet. And right ripples will only flow when you are introduced to the you that you are born to be. Now more than ever, we need the church of Jesus Christ to know who they are because we are going in our life to encounter difficulty and bitterness and offenses and obstacles. And in those moments, we'll be brought to a crossroads. Do I step into my identity or do I forget who I am? I, I can see Samuel looking at David and saying, David, I know the oil is poured over your head now, but it's not all clear skies and butterflies from here. In fact, there's gonna be some challenges and some difficulties. And when those difficulties come, you're gonna have to remember this moment. You're gonna have to remember this oil. You're gonna have to remember who you are. And that's what I want to announce to us today. If we're going to make it in this thing and make the ripples that we are called to make, we are going to have to take the advice of the great prophet. His name is Mufasa. When Mufasa looked at his son, Simba, at a trivial point in his life, I might add, and he said, Simba, anybody know the quote? Remember what? Who you are, David, church, Remember, if we're going to make it, we're going to have to make the decision in every season to remember who God called us to be. And we're going to look at the life of David in his journey from the anointing to the inauguration of his throne. And so here, here David is dripping with oil and he begins the journey. Everybody say oil. I'm going to teach you about the oil just for a moment. What does it mean that oil was poured on his head? Here's number one. Oil is an invitation. In other words, oil is not a guarantee. Oil is God inviting you into what he's called you to do. 
So, so when Samuel anointed David, he was not saying for sure, there's no doubt you're going to become a king. It was, it was God inviting David into the lifestyle necessary to become a king. I, and I've met so many people that get prophetic words and they hear Dr. Maiden say something powerful and they, and they hear these things from, from God and they think that they can walk the same and talk the same and act the same and think the same without, and just expect the thing to come to pass. But oil is not a guarantee. Oil is an invitation. Oil is God saying, come and explore the life that I have for you. This is true all throughout scripture. Moses, burning bush, deliverer. Awesome. Now Moses has to leave that place and go talk to Pharaoh. Hey, Noah, preserve the human race. No pressure. Now Noah has to actually go get supplies and start building an ark. Joshua, knock down these Jericho walls, but then he's got to actually take next steps. You know, you see what I did there? He's got to walk around the walls and shout. Why? Because oil is not a guarantee. It's an invitation. And it's important for us to know this because I've seen so many people say, yeah, whatever will be, will be. It's just going to happen. No, you've got to take steps. If God told you to write a book, the book's not going to manifest. You got to put, pin on a paper. If God told you that you're going to advance the kingdom of God through resource, you might have to draw up a business plan and start being generous. If God told you that you're going to heal the sick, go to Walmart, pray for sick people. God told you you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Go ahead and start at Target and start prophesying. Are you hearing me today? Oil is not a guarantee. Oil, it is an invitation. And so David begins this journey, this 20-year journey, and it is filled uh, with obstacles. In fact, one chapter later, the Bible introduces conflict uh, into David's life. Why? Because when, when God releases oil, the enemy will always introduce an antagonist. When God pours oil, anointing, empowerment, a calling on your life, the enemy then goes on a mission to derail you from the thing that you've been called to do. And so here David is, he's driving for Uber Eats. I'm just making sure you're listening. He's delivering food to his brothers on the battlefield. And as he's walking back to the field, he overhears this giant by the name of Goliath trash talking his nation which wouldn't be a problem for a shepherd boy, but he doesn't need to think like a shepherd. He needs to think like a king. Some of you are thinking the way you're thinking in your current season, like you're always going to be there. Maybe you need to elevate your thinking, not where you are, but where you're called to go. And so David signs up to fight this giant and in steps antagonist number one, and it's not Goliath. In steps antagonist number one, he goes by the name of Eliab. Look at verse 28 of chapter 17. It says, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, you remember the tall one, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. I know it. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I love the way the King James said it. Uh, Eliab said, I know the naughtiness of thine heart. <laughs> Before David encounters the sword of a giant, he encounters the words of a cynic. 
And there will be people in your life who try to talk you out of what God has called you to do through their negativity. Has anybody ever had an Eliab in their life? The negative one, the critical one, the one that assumes that your motives are bad, the one that tries to talk you out of what God has called you to do. Every season of my life, from as young as I can remember, I have had Eliabs around me. Every season of my life, I have had people who were critical, people who were negative. You know what I've learned about Eliab? Eliab is okay with you staying in your little field. Eliab is okay with you playing your harp. He likes the harp. Eliab is okay with you tending to the sheep. It's when you start trying to do something great that Eliab starts talking. It's when you step up and try to fight giants that Eliab tries to talk you out of it. It's when you actually take your slinging stone and stand in what you're anointed to do that critics will start to criticize you. And I have seen so many Christians who walk on eggshells their whole life rather than walking in purpose because they obsess over the opinions of critics. I can feel this ministering in this room. It's, it's the spirit of alive. In fact, I think that the reason why most of us have not slayed giants is not because the giant is too strong, but because Eliabe has convinced you that you're too weak. I believe that one of the most dangerous weapons that Goliath had was not his sword, his spear, his javelin, or his height, or his experience. The greatest weapon he had was the words of Eliab. So David is here at a crossroads. Do I rehearse the words of my jealous older brother, or do I remember, Simba? Do I remember who I do I give in to the words of a cynic or do I remember the day that God poured oil on my head? Do you, when you stand between the criticism of man and the call of God, you're gonna bow to one or the other. So you've got to know in that moment who you're going to bow down to. And I have wasted whole seasons of my life worrying about what Eliab thinks. I've lost sleep over Eliab. I've clenched my teeth because of Eliab. I've been stressed because of Eliab. I've overthought because of Eliab. Do they think I'm not good enough? Do they think that I'm prideful? Am I too ambitious? Maybe I am doing it wrong. Maybe I'll just go back to the field. Can you imagine if David looked at Eliab and said, you know what? You might be right and went back to the field. Goliath would have stayed standing. And how many of us have walked away back to the field from fights that you and I were anointed to win? And I'm just challenging the people of God when Eliab starts talking, stand and remember what God said. What did God say about you? Not what did Eliab say about you. And I want to show you this scripture. This is so powerful. What did David do? He's face to face with Eliab, listening to his amazing rant. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 30, I want to read it to you. It says, and he turned, he, David, turned away from Eliab toward another. I love that. It's just like, hold that thought. Let me go over here. 
And some of you just need to turn away from the negativity toward another. You need to turn away from the cynical people, from the critical people, from those internal narratives and voices. You need to shut off the voice of Eliab and remember the voice of God. I'll illustrate it for you. I was in the airport the other day and uh, my, my friend was uh, flying me to Las Vegas for my birthday. He lives there, nothing crazy, okay? Uh, and so I was going there to visit him. I'm sitting there at my gate. I'm the type a dude that likes to get to my gate like five hours early. I like to sit down and eat a meal. I like to uh, people watch and I like to do my emails. Okay, I'm an old man, basically. I just turned 30, by the way. Uh, and so this is weird, feels fun. Uh, also, my wife is pregnant. Baby number three on the way. Shout out to Kaylee. I'm sitting in the airport and I hear the words, the dreaded words, the destructive words, the anxiety-inducing words. There's been a gate change. My heart sinks. Say, if these jokers make me walk across this entire airport, I'm going to lose it. And by lose it, I mean I'm just going to stand up and walk over there and be mad about it internally. (laughs) I hear the words, there's been a gate change to flight 1356 going to Pensacola. And then it started giving all of the details of, of where we needed to go. But here's the thing. The moment I heard that it was inviting me to a place I was not called to go, I shut off the voice. The moment I realized it was inviting me to a location that I was not called to go to, I said, I turned away towards another. You know, and Eliab will come to your life and invite you back to the field, invite you to a place of fear, invite you to a place of self-doubt. And what you've got to do is turn aside to another and remember who you are. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Because it's his identity that will cause us to lead in right ripples. So uh, this, is, this is so powerful. Uh, David turns aside and, and he stops listening to the voice of Eliab. Can, can I just tell you this? Eliab doesn't get to choose if you're qualified for this or not. People don't get to choose if you were anointed or not. In fact, look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse one. God says this, he says, I have chosen a king for myself. Question, pop quiz, who chose the king? God chose the king. Everyone say, God chose me. Everyone say, God chose me. See, God chose you. Can I help you with something? It does not say Jesse chose. It doesn't say Abinadab chose. It doesn't say Eliab chose. And can I prophesy to you, your pain doesn't get to choose. Your past doesn't get to choose. That person that's negative does not get to choose. Once God pours oil on your head, there is no critic, there is no cynic, there's no devil in hell that can pull the oil off of you because God shows, God shows you. So David goes on to fight this giant. He grabs a sling and a stone, knocks him down, takes his head off. Uh, if there's children in the room, I apologize. This is my promo for one, one, three, two kids. Okay. <laughs> David goes on to slay Goliath and then people start celebrating David. People start clapping. People start uh, saying, wow, Saul has slayed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And Here's antagonist number three. He's faced Eliab. He's faced Goliath. And this antagonist is called the antagonist of success. Because it would have been really easy for David 
to just retell the same old giant killing story all the days of his life. To the point where he's sitting with his grandkids and he's like, you know, I once grabbed a stone. And they're like, we know grandpa, thank you. But here's the thing about oil. Oil does not just provide an invitation. Oil provides vision. Fill in the blank for me. David was anointed to be a what? A king. He was not anointed to be a giant slayer. And the mistake that a lot of people make is they will, they will walk halfway to what God has called them. And because they're not where they used to be, they say, you know what? This is a lot better than theirs. So I'm going to camp right here for the rest of my life. And I'm just saying, expand the vision of your life. Dream for more. Believe for more. And I'm thankful that you slayed Goliath. Thankful that you used to be anxious and now you live in peace. I'm thankful that you used to be addicted and now you're free. Is anybody thankful that Jesus sets us free? Has anybody been set free in this room before? Freedom is wonderful. Freedom is beautiful. But I would challenge you with this question. Why are you free? What have you been freed for? And I would propose to you this, that you are not free so that you can simply enjoy your freedom. You are free so that you can make an impact on other people. You are free so that you can make the ripples that you were called to make. I remember one time I was uh, standing in, in uh, I was, uh, when I was pastoring in a different city, I was standing in my office and I was looking at this map of the United States and I was praying for my city and I was praying, God, save this city. God, save this city. God, save this city. Lord, would you move in it? And I was praying, God, for this city. And God spoke to me. He said, your vision is too small. I thought, I'm praying for an entire city right now, Father. Excuse me. Just kidding. God brought me to Psalm chapter two, which says this, ask of me and I will give you the nations. It's your inheritance. I want to tell you what we ask God for is an indication of what we are believing for. And what we are believing for is an indication of what we're actually going to step into. So why would I look at an infinite God and ask him to give me this when he's got vision for us? Can I tell you, it'd be really easy for us as Church 1132 to stop at slaying Goliath. We got Alan, we got Wiley, we got Frisco, we got Oak Cliff. That's amazing. But here's our mission. It's not to be a place for these few cities to know God. Our mission is to be a place for all people to know God. So God is expanding our vision past the giant, past Goliath, and into what we're called to do. And so David doesn't stop at throwing a stone or slaying Goliath, but he keeps on, he keeps on moving, keeps on pursuing what God has for him. We see this moment about 20 years later where the people finally decide David is our king. And there's this beautiful scripture in 2 Samuel, I believe it's chapter five, where David sits on a throne and we get the introspective David. It says David perceived that he was king. Finally, he saw what Samuel saw. David did not become a king overnight. David became a king because in every season, he made the difficult decision to remember who he was. 
And David made ripples that were absolutely mind-blowing during his reign. I'll just show you the practicals. During David's reign, he unified a nation. He established Jerusalem as the capital. He conquered multiple enemies. And more than any of that, he was inserted into the lineage that brought Christ into the world. And if I would have went to a shepherd boy while he's in the field and said, David, this is all that you're going to do, I guarantee he would have laughed at me. And can I just tell you, for those of you who are sitting in your field right now, feeling overlooked, feeling like I'm just the youngest, I'm not enough, I'll never do what God has called me to do. Can I just tell you from the field, the ripples you're called to make are greater than you could ever imagine. You gotta remember who you are. Oil provides vision and oil is an invitation I want to give you one more thought, but I want, to rewind, I want to rewind the story all the way back to when David looked like this, because I think it's hard for us to relate to the David that turns away from Eliab. It's hard for us to relate to the David that charges the battlefield and fights Goliath. It's hard to relate to the David that, uh, that sits on a throne and has national influence. You know, it's really easy for me. It's easy to, the, to relate to the David that wears labels. If you notice this about the scripture, I can't imagine the pain of this moment. Uh, Jesse is so proud of seven of his sons and number eight doesn't even get invited. How harsh, what kind of father hides his youngest son and doesn't even mention his name? Samuel says, do you have any other sons? And he says, yeah, there still remains the youngest. Here's something interesting. We don't even know David's name yet at this point in the scripture. So here David is, he walks up ruddy and handsome. I don't know what ruddy means. I'll look it up in between services and let you know in service three. Here is David, 17 years old, theologians believe wearing all these labels overlooked. I didn't get invited to this party. You ever went to a party and you didn't know you weren't invited to? That's awkward. My dad didn't even tell him my name. They called me the youngest. I'm not enough. I'm not qualified. And most of us live our whole lives staying in this season, wearing the labels that people put on us. Labels like unintelligent. Labels like not enough. Labels like my past is too messy. Labels like addicted. Labels like overlooked. Labels that are saying that you will never be qualified to do what God has called you to do. And I don't know what your labels are, but I do know this. If you live your whole life wearing labels, then every ripple you make will be infected by the labels that you wear. So Samuel rejects seven sons. And he's looking at this awkward 17 year old kid that didn't get invited to the party. And God whispers, that's him. That's that's the one. Samuel said, but Lord, he has no head. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> so dumb. 
Samuel took the vat of oil that he bought from Hobby Lobby and he's looking at He's looking at David. He's looking at this man with no name. And I want you to, I want you to see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. In the first service, I used real oil. And everyone's like, please don't use real oil. People are slipping. So this is water. Use your imagination. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he began to anoint David. He began to anoint David with the oil. This was encountering the labels of man were encountering the oil of God. And here's what I know. When this scenario, when the oil of God encounters the labels of man, the, the labels of man end up ruined. In fact, the labels start falling off when the oil of God comes. And I want to tell you today, God's not just going to move in a way that gives you a goosebump. God's going to move in a way that pulls every past label off of your life. Look at this scripture. It says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon. Ooh, now we know his name. His name is David. The name was released after the oil started to flow. If you need identity today, right? Ripples flow from right identity. Here comes the oil of God. Here comes the presence of God. He said, this is not the youngest. This is not the overlooked. This is not the unwanted one. Your name is David. You know what David means? Beloved of God. You're not the youngest. You're the beloved. You're not unwanted. You're the beloved. You're not a mistake. You're beloved of God. And when Eliab starts talking, beloved. Goliath starts taunting you, beloved. When Saul starts throwing spears, different story for a different day, I'm the beloved of God. Can I tell you, when the world tries to attach labels to you, you got to remember who you are. 